you're entering the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is the Tyler Morgan Show on Podbean.com. Welcome to the Tyler Morgan Show, live on Podbean.com, the Podbean app, or on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so lots of craziness in store for this week. Um, I know it's a, I'm a little early on doing this, and normally it's like a 10 o'clock central time show, but the wife is off gallivanting and chaperoning prom and making sure uh horny teenagers aren't doing anything they shouldn't be doing at a prom. But hey, so that's that's her role as the class sponsor. She gets to be there doing that. So I am stuck here with all of you. All my favoritest, most awesome reprobates, degenerates, and just general badass listeners. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Those of you who are here in the live stream, thank you for listening to those of you who are streaming this on demand again whether it be at relentlessdaring.com slash podcast or on whatever app you choose. I am on all the biggies, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, uh, Pandora apparently has become very popular for listening to my show. Uh, looking at the, uh, looking at all the, uh, you know, all the stats on that. So thank you to you Pandora listeners out there. I love it. But before we get into this week's craziness, let me tell you about American Pride Roasters. Yes, I'm still talking about them, even though they are slowly starting to uh, get back into the coffee roasting game. Uh, for those of you who do not know, if you are new to the show, uh, almost two months ago, the home of Dave and Faith Matthews was narrowly missed by a uh, F4 tornado. And by narrowly missed, I mean the center of the tornado was less than a quarter mile from their home. They lost everything. Uh, Dave roasted the coffee out of his garage and all of his roasters that he hand built are no more. However, he, like I said, he is working on getting a space. He's starting to slowly start roasting coffee again. And so orders will start to, be uh taken soon so just go to american pride roasters got uh, dot com and they will let you know when you can start ordering coffee again just keep them in your prayers as they start to rebuild and try to get back on their feet again that's american pride roasters historically great coffee All right, so getting into it, I have to start with the whole libs of TikTok thing. Uh, earlier this week, she was doxxed. Now, the journalist, and I use that word very, um, very lightly. The journalist says that, oh, I didn't dox her. However, when you reveal a person who sets up an account with the, you know, 
priority of keeping things anonymous. So you don't put your name on it. You say, this is libs of TikTok. The only thing she does, and I say she because, you know, anonymous interviews have been done in the past where it's definitely a woman's voice. She takes videos of crazy leftists on TikTok and then she gives them the the full scope and attention that they deserve. Just lets everybody know, hey, here's what they're saying. Well, apparently this was bad. This was harassment. This was bullying. We can't have that on the Twitters. Even though if you ever get on Twitter, um, 90% of everything you see is bullying and harassment. There was some author. I don't remember his name because he is this that meaningless in the world, or at least in my world. Oh, my God, if Elon takes control of Twitter, is this going to be nonstop bullying and harassment? I mean, look at what he did comparing our Lord and Savior, Bill Gates, to the pregnant man emoji. That is horrible. Just why would you do something? That is what it would be rampant on Twitter if Elon Musk takes it over. Well, um, again... As I pointed out to this wonderful person who I, they would remain nameless if I knew their name, but I don't even know their name. That's how awesome they are. As I pointed out, it's like, dude, have you ever been on this platform before? It's all it is, is bullying and harassment, whether it's the right bullying and harassing the left. Although really it's more like the right is countermanding their arguments. However, you look at the left, that's all they do is they bully and harass and harangue and blah, 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 blah. They call names because they can't win arguments based on ideas. So they just shout you down until you say, like, um, you know what? Congratulations. You are now shouting into the void. I have found the mute button. But anyways, back to uh, libs of TikTok. And. Uh, everything was going on with the ta- whole Taylor Lorenz thing. Now, keep in mind, just a couple weeks ago, Taylor Lorenz was on MSNBC literally crying about how people will get little small bits of information about you and they will use that to harass and harangue and just make your life just so miserable. You, you just can't take it. Yet she does this expose on libs of TikTok. And in her article that was published originally, not only did she name the person behind libs of TikTok, she included a link. But Tyler, what is this link for? Ah, well, you see, it went to her real estate license. And included on said real estate license was her home address. And because of that, it'd be one thing just to say her name is uh, Shea something or other. I don't really know her last name. But it's another thing to say, hey, here's, here's a copy of her real estate license with her home address. And you make that 
public. Which I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a it's a publicly it's a state issued license, maybe even a city issued license because it is Brooklyn and New York City. So it is a public document. However, the internet has certain unwritten rules. One of those unwritten rules is you don't put people's private information, such as home addresses, phone numbers, social security numbers, things like that, online, because you are then opening them up to literal threats of violence at their home. Well, apparently, um, Taylor may have had an issue with things like this in the past because um, some of her old tweets have been excluded from uh, Internet Archive uh, amid the libs of TikTok doxing. So, okay, so the Internet Archives, also known as the Wayback Machine, is a free online archive of all publicly available information on the Internet. And they are facing criticism for not displaying old tweets from Washington Post reporter Taylor Lorenz, who has faced scrutiny for exposing the identity of the creator of the popular conservative Twitter account, Libs of TikTok. Users of the website were greeted with the following message when they attempt to access her old tweets. Sorry, this URL has been excluded from the Wayback Machine. Huh. Internet Archive's website says its mission is to provide universal access to all knowledge. The site also tells people they can send an email request for us to review to info at archive.org with the URL, web address, and the text of your message. Internet Archive did not immediately respond to a request for comment from Fox News Digital. It is unclear whether Lorenz requested her tweets to be removed from the site, and she did not immediately respond to a request for comment from Fox News. According to Media Research Center, Lorenz shared more than 16,800 tweets as of November 10th, 2020, but only 3,500 currently appear on her Twitter page. Weird. That is literally like... You know, only like 15% or so of her tweets. It's definitely less than a quarter of them. So where did they all go? Isn't that odd? Lorenz, who left the New York Times for the Washington Post this year, found herself back in the news this week when she revealed the identity of the previously anonymous woman behind Libs of TikTok Twitter account. Say that five times fast. Only a few weeks after crying on MSNBC because of online harassment she had faced herself. Oh my gosh. Lorenz revealed her name, occupation, religion, and where in the country she lived. The article even included a hyperlink that exposed personal information such as her work address. But the Post later removed the link after being called out by critics. Lorenz rejected accusations she had doxxed the libs of TikTok creator in an interview on CNN's Brian Stelter. Of course, of course, she's going to go on with the potato and say she didn't do it. We absolutely did not reveal any personal information about this woman at all remotely. 
And you know, I know that sometimes reporting practices can seem foreign to people that aren't familiar with journalism. But this was very by the book and very benign. We didn't reveal anything personal and certainly, you know, not directing any kind of hate towards her. Right. I, I just love that. You stupid people. You wouldn't know journalism if it bit you on the butt. <laughs> you, it's very benign. It's very by the book. We didn't do nothing wrong. <laughs> You're just too dumb to realize what how journalism works. <laughs> We're so much better than you. Uh, the Washington Post previously released a statement defending Lorenz, similarly asserting, uh, we do not publish or link to any details about her personal life, which they did, which they went back and then they, I don't know, kind of stealth scrubbed the link out of the original article. Because if you go and look at it now, if you are beyond the paywall for Washington Post, and you can actually see... The old, see the article, it doesn't even have an editor's note saying, hey, uh, there was a link here that we took out because we deemed it impertinent. So anyways, uh, Washington Post released their statement, we do not publish or link to any details about her personal life, which sparked allegations that the paper lied, including by libs of TikTok. A spokesperson told Fox News its report linked to publicly available professional information. And when asked why the link was scrubbed, the Post replied, ultimately, we deemed it unnecessary. Well, if it was unnecessary, why did your editors allow it to be published to begin with? That's the real question. Why do the editors still have jobs? If they're not going to go look through her writing, through her story with the hyperlink and go, ah, yeah, we're not going to include this because we don't think it's necessary to the story. Ultimately, Washington Post had people hand their asses to them. And in the process. They made a judgment call, which they didn't even, you know, clarify when reporting on the article because they're just that um, hypocritical, dishonest. Uh, democracy dies in darkness, though. Uh, yeah, we're just gonna just we're just gonna hide this because yeah, you don't need to know about it, right? Oh, Sean, welcome to the live chat there in Lompoc, California, next to a Space Force base. Ah, oh, yes, serving the Guardians. Kurt has joined the chat. What's up, Kurt? Glad to see you jumped in here. Um, So after dealing with Taylor Lorenz, let's look at some more media malfeasance, shall we? Well, it's not really malfeasance, but just an epic fail. Because epic fails are so amazing to watch. Epic fails lead you to just go, ah, oh, my life is so much better. You're, like if you're watching uh, Ridiculousness on MTV, it's a dumb show. But watching people have epic fails and they face plant, they 
have all these bad things happen, you go, I'm glad I'm not stupid. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm not hurting my own body for the amusement of others. Epic fails are amazing. So the epic fail of CNN deciding that uh, we're going to have a subscriber-based uh, online platform kind of like Disney Plus or Discovery Plus, and people are going to pay money for more bad news. Uh, more specifically, bad news coverage. Well, CNN has uh, already started moving people out of the building that they were housing CNN Plus in, and the Halloween City, the big, the big orange signs already hanging on the front of the building over the CNN Plus placards. It's amazing. Um, it probably has something to do with the fact that they got like hardly any business, anybody wanting to sign up for their news. I mean, imagine how Chris Wallace feels. He left Fox News to go to CNN and was told, you're going to get a show on CNN Plus. <laughs> well, hey, uh, Chris, about that uh, about that show on CNN, yeah, we're canceling the network. What? How is that possible? You got to love it. Anyways, uh, but Discovery Networks, who currently own CNN, uh, was it Warner Discovery? I believe is what what it is now. Even though CNN has failed on epic, epic proportion, because basically they put too much stock into bashing Donald Trump. Because during the Trump presidency, everything that was going on, Trump this, Trump that, Trump the other thing, Trump, 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 Trump. The people who hated Donald Trump loved to tune in to CNN. Because you had Chris Cuomo when he's, you know, not pretending to have a serious case of COVID and pretending to stay in his basement. And pretending to leave his basement for the first time, even though in the middle of his quarantine, he was seen out in the front yard. And he made the national news by having a confrontation with a dude on a bicycle who called him out on, hey, uh, ain't you supposed to be in quarantine there, guy? Yeah, Chris Cuomo, that guy. You, know, you had Don Lemon and his uh, rubbing his fingers on his manly bits and sticking them in uh, dude's faces. Yeah, that guy. All these, all these uh, Trump bashers. That's all they did, their entire shows, bashing Trump. Once Trump got out of office, suddenly there wasn't much of a much of a market. But CNN and all of their wisdom and Jeffrey Zucker and all of his wisdom said, we're going to do this. We think it'll bring more money in. People will pay us more. And they will subscribe to watch more of this not Trump bashing anymore. Yeah, that was a horrible idea. And it's kind of came out that with the early interest numbers and people signing up for CNN Plus before it launched, those numbers were hidden from Discover 
or from Discovery. And had they been known to Discovery, Discovery would have said, uh, no, refund all those pe- all that money. We're not going to do this because there is, there is no interest in this. But now CNN's like, they rushed it. You know, they picked up like a hundred some thousand subscribers on the initial day. Forget the pre-sign ups. Opening day was only a hundred thousand people. After dumping $300 million. Yeah, it was so bad. Discovery fired the chief financial officer for CNN because you spent what on what kind of return? I don't think so, Scooter. Go away. But. CNN Plus may be dead, but its owner isn't giving up its global news ambitions. Again, this is from the Hollywood Reporter, because apparently Hollywood is now reporting on CNN and their suckiness. After shutting down the subscription platform, executives apologized for pulling the rug out from under its staff, but said the news brand will play an important role in Warner Brothers Discovery's streaming efforts. Basically, um, there's going to be like a CNN uh, channel on Discovery Plus that no one's going to watch. After setting down the subscription platform, uh, it seems CNN Plus is doomed before it even launched. The subscription streaming service, which launched on March 29th and will shut down on April 30th. I don't even know which one's, which one's what here. There it is. <laughs> I found it. Nice. Um, was misaligned with the long-term strategy outlined by Discovery executives who took over Warner Media just a week or so after the service launched, and who planned to create a super service that combines entertainment and news into one compelling package. Some of this was avoidable. Warner Brothers Discovery's top streaming executive, J.B. Perrett, told employees in a town hall Thursday. According to an attendee who spoke with The Hollywood Reporter, Perrett also lamented that Warner Media leadership pushed forward with the plan to launch a standalone service, knowing that new ownership was coming in skeptical of the idea. Ooh, that's gotta hurt. Indeed, on March 28th, the evening before CNN Plus's launch, there was no indication the service's future was in question. Really? Everyone was making fun of it. How was that not your first indication? Uh, guys, this might be a bad idea. We might not want to do it like this. The company hosts an opulent launch party at the peak, an event space located 1,000 feet up on the 101st floor of its Hudson Yards headquarters with attendees munching on hors d'oeuvres that included caviar, top potato chips, and miniature lobster rolls. <laughs> yes, we're so much better than you. We have potato chips with fermented fish eggs upon them. Uh, Andrew Morse, the CNN executive who spearheaded the launch, who said Thursday he would exit the company. <gasps> oh, whoops. He touted the importance of the launch in a toast, thanking Warner Media CEO Jason Killer and former CNN chief Jeff Zucker, as well as CNN founder Ted Turner, 
who he said was CNN Plus's first subscriber. Of course he was. Just three weeks later, most CNN Plus employees were told they would be losing their jobs. And what incoming CNN CEO Chris Lick told staff was a uniquely crappy situation. Edited for content. He didn't say crappy. It's not your fault you had the rug pulled out from underneath you. Licked added, noting that the company would be providing a generous severance for staff, a minimum of nine months, that were unable to find jobs elsewhere at the company. Just, yeah, I'm not going to finish that. It's five pages of, oh my God. Um, Yeah, the writing was on the wall well before it launched. I mean, you start looking at social media and people making fun of the idea of CNN Plus. Couple months ahead of its launch. Maybe doing surveys, market research. Hey, would you pay money for this? Blah, blah, blah. Stuff that is going to cost money, but, you know, maybe you get your feelers out there and Determine that perhaps this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. Uh, it might not be set. It might hurt at first, but I think we'll pick up steam as it goes. None of this happened. But it's absolutely insane that CNN allowed it to happen. I mean, if you already have a credibility issue, why give your haters more ammunition? It's absolutely nuts. But I would just like to say, Glenn Beck, he took this in stride um, when he launched Glenn Beck TV like 12 years ago. No one thought some people would pay for that kind of content, especially when the only people streaming at the time was Major League Baseball and Glenn Beck. That was it. Netflix hadn't started streaming yet. Hulu, what the hell's a Hulu? Uh, you had YouTube where, you know, Copyright material you couldn't you couldn't stream, but I digress. But he had a nice Twitter, nice Twitter thread uh going after Brian Stelter. Um Brian Stelter years ago caused Glenn to walk off his show by suddenly diverting to uh comments on what was going on with the Blaze. Because at the time Blaze had some uh, bad management going on because you know, Glenn's like, I can't run this. I'm putting it, you know, in the hands of people who I think will run it. They were making some really bad financial decisions. They had to let go a lot of people. And they had to scale back. And so there's rumors that they're trying to find someone to buy them out, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, they recovered and they run a more streamlined operation, but they're still in existence. And CNN Plus 
with all the money it had behind it, it could not remain in existence. But this thread is great. From Glenn Beck. Hey, Brian Stelter. Perhaps you can join me on my successful global media streaming service to discuss your company's $300 million failure. P.S. I won't ambush you and my statements will be based in fact. So sad for you. Did I mention my streaming service had 300,000 subs when streaming services didn't yet exist? It was MLB in the blaze. That was over 10 years ago. I could say that that fact that your pompous ass didn't make 10 weeks didn't bring me joy. But I will leave the lies, leave the lies to you and CNN. I am sorry at Brian Stelter for that last tweet. I just lashed out after hearing the news about the biggest media failure of all time without thinking about how worried you must be about your upcoming unemployment situation. Please know that you're in my thoughts. Hashtag CNN plus RIP. Oh, okay. After, after rereading these tweets, I see how childish they appear, but after being subjected to your constant lies and transparent hatchet job, you call a career, the hashtag epic fail of CNN makes believe in the old saying that evil loses in the end. And believe me, at Brian Stelter, this is the end. I, I mean, the breathtaking speed at which CNN Plus crashed was a spectacular, almost Siegfried Folly's end. That would be assuming that Zigfield had ever spent $300 million on a show to only have it closed in eight weeks. But he, of course, didn't. Crap. I apologize. I used a hypothetical Zigfield Follies comparison in my last tweet. I made the point the failure of CNN Plus was so epic that it was akin to Zigfield having a $300 million production close eight weeks. Sorry, I meant four weeks. Uh, one more thing. One more thing on CNN Plus epic $300 million four-week flameout. The Hindenburg of media failures, please note, I only use Ziegfeld Follies because I thought it would be relatable to you and your elitist, out-of-touch New York City, Upper West Side snotty co-workers. And it just goes on. This is a solid 15-tweet thread. And oh, I just it was just so epic to watch all of this go down. And it's like, ah, it's not me flaming out. Ah, thank goodness. All right, I'll take a quick break, run some ads, and I'll be right back. Drizzly is the leading home alcohol delivery service available. Imagine being able to sit at home and pull up your smartphone and browse your favorite wine beer, spirits, and then have it delivered to your home in as little as one hour. Go to drizzly.com or check out the link in the show notes and start shopping today. Not available in all areas. Please drink responsibly. Drizzly.com. So I'm going to talk to you about Built Bar. We've all had protein bars before. Most of them taste like cardboard and they're gross, nasty. It leave a funky aftertaste in your mouth. Built Bar, their goal for starting off was flavor first. Every bar is covered in either pure dark chocolate or white chocolate for those special ones that come out. You have nine regular flavors 
And then they have the special flavors they bring out every so often. They are absolutely amazing. My, personally, my favorite, mint brownie. Oh, my God. So go to Built.com. Check it out. Go to their selection of Built Bars. Built Go Energy Drink. Uh, Built Broth. All their, all their fine selections of amazing products. Built.com. Use the promo code RELENTLESS to save 10%. Built.com. I about screwed up. I about started talking while the mute button was hit on my microphone. <laughs> I love being a I love being a broadcast professional. <laughs> all right, so back to the crazy. Um, right now there's all sorts of worries that we're going to have food shortages and this, that, and the other. Uh, one of the big things that's really hurting farmers right now is fertilizer shortages. Well, perhaps one of the reasons we have fertilizer shortages isn't that because we can't make the fertilizer. It's possible that they're there because um, the Department of Transportation has created limits on how much fertilizer can be moved by rail. Which, say what you want about trains and their inefficiencies. When it comes to getting large quantities of fertilizer from uh, from a production facility moved to a distribution hub, rail is there is none better than rail because you have you have a car that holds five or six times that of oh, pardon me of a semi. You have one car that holds way more than a semi trailer. And you have multiple of these cars. Um, like I said, you can just get way more, you get way more moved from one place to the other and then distribute it out from there. However, DOT has said, ah, yeah, we need, to, we need to reduce how much that we're shipping of fertilizer. This comes as a, um, uh, from legal insurrection, fertilizer manufacturer warns of supply crisis due to railroad mandated shipping reductions. Uh, but our wonderful Secretary of Transportation, he's got his priorities in line as he's currently in the Netherlands at the Invictus Games, which, you know, the Invictus Games, for those of you who don't know, that is. Uh, you know, wounded warriors. So I get it. You want to be there supporting our heroes and the heroes of other nations that have lost limbs and have severe disabilities as a result of serving their country. I get it. You want to support that. Um, but if you are a cabinet level, you know, appointee, shouldn't you be here? I don't know, doing your job. I mean, you just took like, Six months off after not you having a child, not your husband having a child, but 
your surrogate having a child. Seriously, you disappeared for like three months because I'm on paternity leave getting to know my baby. Okay, cool. You have a job that you can literally work nine to five and no one is going to tell you otherwise because you're the freaking secretary of transportation. The only person who can tell you what to do is the president. And if you haven't noticed, our president has pudding for brains and doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. He has to have the freaking Easter bunny stop him from answering random questions and point him off to another direction and distract him. He is not telling anyone what to do. He's getting told what to do by Lady Jill McBiden. Yes, for those of you who don't know or at least have a strong suspicion, that is a Shakespeare reference to Lady Macbeth, who was running the kingdom in Macbeth. But I digress. So, Buttigieg is in the Netherlands attending the Invictus Games as major fertilizer suppliers say Union Pacific train reductions shrieking supply during crucial planting seasons. And then you add into it the uh, weird food processing plant fires that have been going on out around the country. It makes you wonder, um, is this a manufactured farming crisis? A manufactured food shortage? I know it's a little tinfoil hat, Alex Jones, turn the freaking frogs gate kind of thing, but you gotta wonder. Union Pacific Rail Line's new railroad mandated shipping reductions would result in shipment delays during the crucial spring planting season. <clears throat> Pardon me. Fertilizer producer CF Industries is criticizing Union Pacific's plan to reduce the number of rail cars on UP's network in order to reduce congestion, saying the measure would result in delays to customer shipments during the spring application season. Oh, boy. CF Industries, a Deerfield, Illinois-based manufacturer of hydrogen and nitrogen products, also said it would be unable to accept sales involving UP for the foreseeable future. UP said Monday in a service update that it would be removing 2% to 3% of UP-controlled cars from the network across multiple commodity groups to maintain fluidity and reduce inventories on the system. Right. UP's plan to improve network fluidity also includes adding more employees and locomotives. So if you're adding more employees and locomotives, then that means you could keep the same number of freaking rails moving fertilizer. CF Industry said it would appeal UP's actions to the federal government and ask that fertilizer shipments be prioritized ahead of the spring season. The company is going to ask the Surface Transportation Board, which is part of Pete Buttigieg's Department of Transportation, for an assist in resolving the situation. The timing of this action by Union Pacific could not come at a worse time for farmers. CF Industry CEO Tony Will said in a statement on Thursday, not only will fertilizer be delayed by these shipping restrictions, but additional fertilizer needed to complete spring applications may be unable to reach farmers at all. By placing this arbitrary restriction on just a handful of shippers, Union Pacific is jeopardizing farmers' harvest and increasing the cost of food for consumers. And 
like I said, we are going into a period of inflation. We're already seeing the cost of our groceries go up. We're seeing the cost of everything go up. And it's not that the prices are going up because these products are becoming more valuable. These products are going up because our dollar is becoming worth less. Not to be confused with worthless, although worthless and worthless in this uh, this situation, eh, they may be interchangeable. And and I, like I said, you know, uh, a very large food processor suddenly caught fire earlier this week, which, huh, you don't have someone who can process food, then how, what's going to happen with this stuff? What's going to happen on the end? Oh, that's right. It's going to be harder to get food because there's not a plant to process it. But, I mean, come on. All this is just transitory. It's going to go away. They keep telling us that the Fed and the Biden administration, oh, it's going to get better. Just wait and see. No. No, it's not. But anyways, um, to Washington, D.C., This is one of those stories that if I didn't already know that Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy were a bunch of corrupt fraudsters, this article would piss me off. However, I already know that they are there to grift the system in order to centralize more power for Republicans, preferably themselves. But Republicans as a whole, and to make as much money off their grift as possible. Well, new details lay bare the GOP's post January 6th cravenness and miscalculation. Among the many moral and political judgments you can make of Mitch McConnell, the last one would be. He's not politically savvy. And yet, after January 6, 2021, capital insurrection, insurrection, the Senate GOP leader apparently assumed the posture of Charlie Brown, staring down the Trump-shaped football Lucy carefully placed in front of him and determined to kick it once and for all. It has been no secret that GOP leaders evolving stance towards Donald Trump in the aftermath of January 6th was craven, you need only to look at how their public comments shifted from condemnation to let's move on to re-embracing Trump. There's been less scrutiny of how poorly calculated their initial stance was after so many instances of Lucy, that is Trump and the GOP base, yanking that football away. New reporting from New York Times' Alexander Burns and Jonathan Martin lays that bare. The crux of the report, which previews their upcoming book, is that both McConnell and the House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy appear to genuinely believe this is their opportunity to rid themselves of that meddlesome Trump. McCarthy reportedly said he would push for Trump to resign. McCarthy's office has offered a not-totally-ironclad denial, while McConnell... 
believed Congress could and would take care of things. But Burns and Martin's reporting, late on the night of January 6th, Mr. McConnell predicted to his associates that his party would soon break sharply with Mr. Trump. Right. And his acolytes. The Republican leader even asked a reporter in the Capitol for information about whether the cabinet might really pursue the 25th Amendment. When that did not materialize, Mr. McConnell's thoughts turned to impeachment. On Monday, January 11th, Mr. McConnell met over lunch in Kentucky with two longtime advisors, Terry Carmack and Scott Jennings. Feasting on Chick-fil-A in Mr. Jennings' Louisville office, Senate Republican leader predicted Mr. Trump's imminent political demise. The, the Democrats are going to take care of the son of a bitch for us, McConnell said, referring to the imminent impeachment vote in the House. Of course, it wouldn't take Democrats alone. It would also require 17 Republicans to convict Trump in the Senate, where he needed a two-thirds vote. McConnell reportedly believed the votes could be there and that lawmakers might also take the additional step of disqualifying Trump from becoming president again. But Mr. McConnell knew the Senate math as well as anyone, and he told his advisors he expected a robust bipartisan vote for conviction. After that, Congress could then bar Mr. Trump from ever holding public office again. The president's behavior on January 6th had been utterly beyond the pale, Mr. McConnell said. If this is impeachable, I don't know what is. We'll pull him out of office root and branch. In, in private, at least, Mr. McConnell sounds as if he might be among the Republicans who would vote to convict. Several senior Republicans, including John Thune of South Dakota and Rob Portman of Ohio, told confidants that Mr. McConnell was leaning that way. It obviously didn't turn out that way. When Trump's base made clear that he hadn't gone too far for them, top Republicans such as McConnell fell back on technicality. That you can't convict a former president in an impeachment trial. That justification is even more puzzling now that this reporting indicates McConnell initially wanted to convict Trump. McConnell must have known that the vote he hoped would end Trump's political career would probably come after Trump left office in January, since the impeachment and trial process would have taken two weeks. Beyond that, there's the question of whether they had the votes. It's possible the votes might have been there. Few GOP senators vouched for Trump publicly, and several no votes on conviction blamed Trump for the Capitol riot. The people in the latter group indicate they believe that he had indeed incited it, which was the charge at hand. Seven Republicans voted to convict, 10 votes shy of the required number. But the technicality and lack of a political courage or will leaves that possible, possible vote count a mystery. But ultimately, it just came down to politics. And in this case, it was the politics of the establishment, and you will do what the establishment establishment says or else. And what happens if you're an outsider, if you if if you're a populist? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying all populists are bad. There are those 
who are populists who are basically an empty suit. Whatever the people say is what they is what they do. Yep. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is an empty suit. Beto O'Rourke is a classic left wing populist. I mean, when running for president, he was hell. Yes, I'll take your AR-15s. Now he's running for the governor of Texas. And suddenly. Well, no, I don't want to take your gun. Why would you think I want to take your guns? Oh, my gosh, that's dumb. Yeah, like you said, he he's a populist in the absolute worst order. Now, if you have a person who believes, you know, doing the will of the people and not the will of the party, not the will of the bureaucrats, not the will of corporate, uh, you know, corporations. But at the same time, they're willing to look at their look at their base and go, okay, I know this is how you feel, but here is why doing that is a bad idea. Um, yeah, that's where you, you know a populist is not necessarily bad. Trump is a very go with the wind populist. Don't get me wrong; he did a lot of stuff that ultimately was good for the country. But at the same time, there were times where he would buck the system, like when he outlawed bump stocks, because apparently bump stocks turn a semi-automatic weapon into a fully automatic weapon, even though mechanically it's still a semi-automatic weapon. Huh. Anywho's. But, yep, and advocating for red flag laws, which, you know, if the if his base were advocating for those and he said, no, we're not going to do it. Okay, I can live with this. However, there's times when, you know, the base was absolutely right and he just ignored him because, well, he's Donald Trump. He does what he wants. But there's times where he would put go against the base and they would cry out. And on social media and email and calls to the White House switchboard. And Donald Trump would, he would back off of a bad idea. Which, again, don't get me wrong. There's times where that is good, but just kind of going with the flow. That's, uh, and, you know, espousing things that your base wants to, wants to do that just, yeah, is not in the greater good of the country. Those guys are the ones you want to watch out for. Like I said, Beto is that kind. But yeah, the fact that again, everyone already knew McConnell was slime. McCarthy was slime. You know, McConnell has been in has been in the Senate since you know. Rocks were soft back when uh, the Mississippian culture was still the dominant uh, native culture in the continental United States. He has been there forever. I'm pretty sure he taught Rome what a Senate was. 
And so again, you have Donald Trump, who's brash, incredibly outspoken, more than willing to buck the system. So yeah, the fact that he's like, you know, I'm a play games and if it looks like I can destroy his career, I'm all for it. I mean, it, it's not shocking at all. And then it's now suddenly uh, Donald Trump is looking like a potential 2024 presidential candidate because he's not formally announced yet. And you have these same guys who, behind closed doors, hated Donald Trump, starting to come out and support him again. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little no bueno. But that is what is. And again, reading that story, if I didn't already know that about McConnell, McCarthy, Collins, Murkowski, Mitt Romney, you know, all those people and their ilk, then I would be really pissed off. Unfortunately, with those people, this article, that's all par for the course. So I'm I'm gonna close this out on a bit of a low note. Um this has to do with immigration policy and everything going on at the border. And I think it's very necessary that I report on this. Um, yesterday down at Eagle pass on the Rio Grande, a national guard soldier, he stripped off his body armor and went into the river to attempt to rescue two illegal immigrants who appeared to be drowning. As of now, as of this recording, that National Guard soldier is missing and presumed to have drowned, trying to save, you know, the lives of illegal immigrants. Not because this soldier believed that they they should have a chance in this country, not because this soldier was doing it in protest of American immigration policy, because this soldier was a man or woman. Um, As of right now, the body has not been recovered. Therefore, the family has not been notified. I'm sure the family knows that soldier is missing. But until they recover a body, uh, that soldier's name is being withheld by the state of Texas and United States Army. And it's absolutely tragic that, you know, we have servicemen and women who are being sent to the border and being asked to put their lives on the line. Many of the, many times they are unarmed. 
if they come under attack by drug cartels, all they can do is duck and cover. They cannot return fire. They cannot defend themselves. And this hero, seeing two people struggling, potentially drowning, which, you know, they've been apprehended by uh, Customs and Border Patrol, and turns out they were uh, involved in drug trafficking. But regardless of that, one of our heroes sacrificed his or her life in order to try to save them. There are no words. Absolutely no words. I mean, best I can do is I can lift my glass and maker's mark and You know, offer a toast to the life you lived. I have no clue what this soldier's MOS even was. They, they, uh, all, like I said, all of that has been withheld. There's been no notification what unit it was. So I'm going to, uh, Resort back to uh, I'm going to presume cavalry. Probably not. But I served in the 3rd Cavalry Regiment. I've served in 1st Battalion, 12th Cavalry, Combined Arms Battalion. 1st Cavalry Division. So in honor of this soldier and their untimely death. Halfway down the trail to hell in a shady meadow green are the souls of all dead troopers camped near a good old time canteen. And this eternal resting place is known as Fiddler's Green. Marching past straight through hell, the infantry are seen. Accompanied by engineers, artillery, and marines for none but the Shades of cavalrymen dismount at Fiddler's Green. Though some go... Though some go curving down the trail to seek a warmer scene, no trooper ever gets to hell ere he's emptied his canteen. And so rides back to drink again with, fr- with friends at Fiddler's Green. And so when man and horse go down beneath a saber keen or in a roaring charge of fierce melee, you stop a bullet clean and the hostiles come to get your scalp. Just empty your canteen and put your pistol to your head and go to Fiddler's green. Rest easy, young man, young woman. We have the watch. That's going to uh, wrap it up for tonight. 
Now, those of you who are listening live, thank you so very much. Although, if you don't listen live, you wouldn't realize that on occasion, um, Podbean has a tendency to lose the audio. I don't know if that's something on my end. I don't know if it's something on Podbean's end. But usually, for some reason, like halfway through the show, it it goes bluey. So if you missed out on the second half of the show and you had to go listen to the podcast to get caught up, again, thank you so very much for taking the time to go back and listen to the podcast. If you are new to the podcast, I ask that you do four things, the same four things every stinking week. Number one, please, please subscribe to the show. Then you get the updates every week when the new show posts. That way, if you miss the live show, hey, on Sunday morning, I'll have the new one. I can catch up. Number two, please rate this podcast. Looking for five stars. I'll accept four. Three and below, we need to have us a little chit-chat. After you rate the show, please write a short review. That is number three. Review the show. Tell why you like the show. Say something generally nice. Embellish if you need to. I don't get carried away. Don't write giant novels. You know, yeah, for the most part, he's great. Whatever. I'll accept it. it. It's call me Alex Jones. I'm a conspiracy nut, especially linking food shortages and, uh, you know, these burning of food processing plants and claiming intentional shortages. I know, I know. It's, it's crazy. I'm going, I'm getting out there, but I apologize. And finally, after you have, subscribed, rated, reviewed, please share this show with your friends. Send it to your friends who you think will like the show. Send it to your friends who you know will like the show. Send it to the friends that eh, maybe they're on the fence. You, they really don't talk politics. That, hey, you might like this. Turns out they're flaming liberal and hate me. <laughs> well, that that happens on occasion. Or, you know what? Just be Just be generally a nuisance intentionally send it to somebody you know will hate the show. <laughs> That's just who I am. Um, but again, thank you so much for listening. If you care to support the show, please go to ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan Show. That is ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan Show. And there you can do a one-time donation. You can do a recurring donation. Buy me a cup of coffee. If this show is worth $5 of your time, five bucks. If you think this show has been worth $20 of your time, send 20 Either or, I all of it goes into keeping the show on the air, whether it's um, hosting fees, whether it's paying for the website to keep RelentlessDaring.com up and running. All, all of it goes into the show, especially buying new equipment, new software. You know, that money really helps, and it's greatly, greatly appreciated. And Thank you from the bottom of my heart for everyone who helps keep this show running. Thank you so very much. Um, yeah, I guess that's going to do it. As always, stay relentless. The Tyler Morgan Show is a relentless daring media production. The Tyler Morgan Show is supported by its listeners. To support the show, go to ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan Show to donate there. 
or RelentlessDaring.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page to set up your donation. All music used in the Tyler Morgan Show is used with permission from PurplePlanet.com. Link in the show notes. 2 Timothy 1.7 